Hello, beautiful people. I'm Amy Harry, and with me is my co-host Ennis Wobo. You are listening to Rivers of Unicorns, the hub for tech enthusiasts. We are a virtual accelerator that supports innovative ideas and startups in underserved communities, setting them on a path to exponential growth. We are supported by the Kwood Brown Foundation and powered by NetOps. In our lineup today, we'll have an interview with a special guest who is making great strides in changing how we think about waste management. So, be sure to stay tuned for that. But first off, let's go over our news highlights. In the international scene, New York Legislature votes to halt facial recognition tech in schools for the next two years. And after ad revenue drops, Twitter tells investors it's eyeing subscription options. In the local news, Nigerian banks want fintech collaborators, but for specific and unique needs. And lastly, Nigeria hits 2.5 million new internet subscriptions during the lockdown period. That's it for our news updates today. Up next is our discussion. You're listening to a discussion forum brought to you by Rivers of Unicorns, a virtual accelerator that supports innovative ideas and startups in underserved communities, setting them on a path to exponential growth. It is powered by NetOps in partnership with the Kwood Brown Foundation. Our topic for today is COVID-19 Opportunities in the Chaos, Rethinking Education. To join the conversation, you can visit our website, www.reversofunicorns.com. Again, that's www.reversofunicorns.com. And through our Facebook page, Rivers of Unicorns. During this session, Ernest and I are being joined by Dr. Sotoye Odubeni, who is a modern foreign languages teacher in a London secondary school and the founder of Daughters of Botany, a botanical tea company. We also have here Susan Charles, who is a teacher and a serial entrepreneur. She is the director of Virtual Consulting and the founding administrator of a prominent Facebook community called Teacher and Loving It. Welcome, ladies. Now, let's jump right in. We've seen everything, right, that has happened with the COVID pandemic and how we've all had to readjust our norms, regardless of what our norms are. I'm sure all of you are going to So, given the ripple effects, right, that we've had with COVID, we are all in the lockdown in our houses, having our office hours and everything. And, I mean, when you think about education, Education has gone from the classroom setting to in-house where parents now have to do online learning with their kids. But we have lots of things that um, come into play. So the question is, do you guys think that with what has happened with COVID, our Nigerian educational system, pardon me, is going to experience a revamp, like turn around in the whole situation. What do you think? Okay, I'll start off 
So uh, I would say we've seen a few things in COVID. Three of them are really prominent. One, like you mentioned, is the parental involvement, right? Mm -hmm. uh, the second would be the, uh, the use of technology on a daily basis. And the third would be finding creative ways to reach our, our children, our students. So firstly, we know that when there's parental involvement, our, our children succeed, right? Because their parents are involved, they want to know what's going on, and so the children are encouraged to do better. Now, we want to see that continue even post-lockdown. We want to see parents not disengage, but actually continue to engage with the work that their children are doing. Post-COVID lockdown does not mean freedom from, from that responsibility, right? Yeah. But in terms of technology, and we'll get more into this, we've seen that now on a daily basis. We've made so many games. I was talking to a parent this morning, and she said, look, we can't let go of those games that we've made in terms of technology. But what is important is that it continues to be a part, an integral part, of the learning, whether it's setting it through homework or actually in the classroom setting. And thirdly, that creativity that is so beautiful that we've seen our teachers step up and deliver. We want to continue to see the use of video in teaching, the use of application, etc. So those key things, parental involvement, technology, and of course, creativity. Let's not lose that. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, I mean, like, that, that makes a whole lot of sense because, like, really, when you think about it, parents typically have this notion of, okay, you just send the child to school and then they're, they're gone. Go, go meet the teacher. I don't want to deal with it. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I really can see that. Yeah. That, so that's, that's one change, which it's not even necessary technology now, even when your child is not using the tech the parents still need to be involved in the education of the child. Susan, yeah. is there something you want to add? Um, I think that the entire pandemic has been a blessing in disguise for the education industry in Nigeria. And the reason I say that is because a lot of us teachers have been in our comfort zone, teaching in the classroom, mm -hmm. and just working with the tools that you're used to in the classroom. And then suddenly, you have the lockdown and you find teachers scrambling to learn new textures and you know ways to make um, learning more engaging for the children and i've seen teachers spend four hours laboring over making a 10-minute video and initially it was exciting and then depression setting and some of them said you know what miss susan in fact let me just tell you i'm not doing it again i'm like you can't not do it again you know <laughs> our new normal so we have to step up so we saw teachers evolve from being traditional old school teachers to being tech savvy and it's been amazing especially um, on my facebook group i've seen teachers who were very traditional suddenly they are even running free training for other teachers teaching them how to use these tech tools so i believe that um education will never go back to what it once was mm -hmm. because these the children are actually enjoying themselves more so um, like we had earlier said, I know that, you know, teachers would have no choice but to embrace technology even more to enhance the learning experience of the children. Yeah, thank you. I can, yeah, I, 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 I can see that how for someone who you've not been creating videos, you know, we, we are in the era of social media influencers yeah. and all. 
they just keep creating their videos, putting them on YouTube and everything. But teachers, most times, don't think about such things. Very few of them, like, try to participate with the online community. But then having the teachers be the ones creating the videos. Exactly. <laughs> I can imagine, like... But, you know, let's think about that, actually. Do the teachers really need to be the ones, like, spending all the time to, like, try to figure out how they should put these videos together? Shouldn't that be, like, a good support system that helps them in curating the videos? And that's the beautiful thing about um, joining online communities on social media, especially for teachers. Um, a lot of people could create a video and then they'll share a link. So you don't necessarily have to create a video every time you need to teach. Sometimes you can get um, the videos ready-made and they're already scripted. Sometimes some teachers even get two, two different videos and they merge it using an app you know, to get their point across. And then sometimes they just want that personal touch and then they would want it, it to be taught the way they would teach it if they were in the classroom. And so the, at that time they create their videos. So it's, it's a pretty exciting one. You can, you can either create your own videos or use what you find. In fact, it, it was during this pandemic I found out there was something like TeacherTube. I never knew, I'd never heard of TeacherTube before. And of course you should understand that TeacherTube is the YouTube for teachers, everything you need, teacher um, resources, they're free of charge, videos, links, and all of that. You can get them from there. So it's pretty um, exciting if you want to, um, you know, piggyback off what someone else has done. Of course, you have to give credit, but they don't have to create everything. But sometimes your children need to have a personal connection. They need to know that what they're being taught is uniquely yours. So at that time, your teachers can now supplement with their own videos okay yeah that sounds good right so let's move on from that right now we have um, another situation at hand there are lots of people like i've been hearing this that online learning cannot succeed in nigeria and personally i think that's like a backwards way to think about things because people could always be interested in moving forward but at the same time, like, I can also understand where these folks are coming from. Because in Nigeria, we have infrastructure issues, like electricity and all. So um, what do you guys think we, in general, as a society, need to achieve in order to overcome this hurdle of getting to that phase where online learning is the norm for everybody, not just for the middle class family, but also for the um, poor people that live in slums and ev like everywhere to be equal, equal access. Like, what do you guys think? And for we, the private sector, because like each one of us, I believe we, we are all, we are not government employees. So this is not a situation where you're saying, oh, what does the government have to do? We as um, private individuals, with our different companies we have and everything. How can we also help? So one of the things that we've seen highlighted is the digital divide, right? So like you mentioned, there are people, even within urban areas, who do not have access to high-speed internet for their learning and um, or may have um, shared usage of a device 
which is a mobile device, which you can't really type on. So there, there are all kinds of issues with that, um, and access to data, for example, as well. And and I want to also mention that whilst we, we think about those that are marginalized by the digital divide, we must also think about those who are not actually participating in education. So we know from the, from the data that Nigeria has the highest number of children who are not in school. A lot of these are in the north. Now, that is problematic when we're talking about the education system, right, and reaching everybody within it. How about the non-subscribers to our current education system? So on the one level, we do know that uh, radio has been used, um, like we just heard, right, to, to, to kind of facilitate those situations where there is no access to internet. I think we can talk about the infrastructure being put in, but that's probably a longer-term investment. I think we need to then find workaround ways. So one of those, like I said, would be radio that we've seen used in states in Nigeria, but also in some war-torn areas, right? We've seen that used in South Sudan. We've seen that used in other countries. So that's important to not forget the radio. We can create hubs of learning. So um, I'm not sure what it's going to be like when schools return, but um, whether there's going to be hybrid systems, I'm not sure of the kind of details of that, right? But we can, as... Um, private kind of the, the corporate sector. We can create um, hubs, fund data for children to learn in spaces with the appropriate health, uh, <laughs> um, kind of like, you know, the mask or the distancing, right? But we can create those hubs. So we pay for the data there and we know that children have access to that learning. Um, in terms of how we reach those children who are not subscribing to school and the school system, I think that's a much larger project. And whilst I'm just throwing different problems into the pots, let me also mention the special education needs children. That's really important. Now, I'm not a special education specialist, but I think that that's something to really consider because beyond that technological um, kind of environment that we're creating, there needs to be that personal touch and that support. Yeah. Suzanne, do you have any thoughts on this? Oh, yes. Um, the truth is the regular brick and mortar school cannot be, um, it cannot be taken out of the picture completely. Mm -hmm. But I've seen a lot of, um, back and forth with online learning at this time. A couple of schools were excited to start their online learning. And after one month, the parents said, you know what? I'm done. You know, I don't have the data for this. I don't have the phone for this. I don't even have the time for this. And so, um, I don't think that there's a one-size-fits-all for the educational space in Nigeria. I just feel like every school needs to look at what works for them and do that. For some people, the parents are um, are on board. They have enough um, devices to go around. So at that time, they can do the synchronous learning. But for those who have to share and those who um, may not be available at the time of the lesson, I think that the asynchronous learning will work better for them. Where we have, and we have lots of learning management systems like that now that are, that are free, that schools can leverage on, where they can just put their content, their videos, their assignments, upload it, and then give a time frame. I remember when I was doing my master's with the University of Liverpool, that's what worked for us, and I, th I thought it was really good. They would just put up the content and say, you know what, um, between, between Thursday to Saturday, you need to work on this, and then when you do that, they'll tell you, you have an assignment, or you have to you know, respond to someone's discussion question and you have to post three times between 
Saturday to Tuesday. You have to turn in your, your homework before Wednesday. So we, we were able to do other things and still, you know, plan ourselves, plan our time and deliver our lessons and our workload as at Wendy. So I think that that's also a very good way that people can leverage on these things. I love the idea of creating hubs. I actually said to my husband this afternoon that one of the things I look forward to, to doing is creating teacher resource hubs across Nigeria. We can have those hubs where people can come in, just utilize the data, and we could have blocks, learning blocks, learning blocks, you know, so people can pick the time that will work for them. You could come for the morning session twice a week, another set come for the afternoon session twice a week or something. Something has got to be, but the truth is education can never be the same again, and so we must find a way to bridge the gap between the rich and the poor and the out of school. Yeah. You know, just to add to what Susan has said, because I, I, I didn't want to mention this, but since Susan is going to kind of burst the wide open, let's do it. We need to change the way we sequence education. What she said, right? Flip learning. So some in the classroom, we, we bring them in and we say, this is what we're learning today. I think that one of the things that this will do is make us set homework that is actually a pre-learning of what we will discuss in class, so that when we come to class, I, as a teacher, am not the only expert on the topic. I'm standing in front of 30 experts on the topic, and we're going to have a deeper conversation. Why is that important? Because it will increase memory, and it will increase application. It will totally change the way our children think, and it could be really, it could be a huge paradigm shift when they go and do homework after that, it's a deepening homework and a pre-learning for the next lesson. Do you see how that would change our children's lives? Yeah, I, I, I can see that. I can see that helping because, I mean, children don't like to study, at least most children. And if we're honest with ourselves, when we're kids, we didn't like to study either. I didn't like to study. <laughs> so, like, having that, yeah, having that system where you're encouraging the kids to study and then come to class. You you will ensure that you don't even have distracted kids in your class. Everybody you're carried along with what is going on. So yeah, I can see I can see that working out. But you you mentioned something which was about the highest number of um, Nigeria has the highest number of kids that are out of school. And when you said that, I'm like, yeah, like that was my realization in. 2014 and I, it was like they hit me on the head i'm like what because we look at our society and a lot of people are educated for what you can see but the only you're only dealing with your immediate surroundings it's just like what you're saying about um um special needs a lot of people like when you look at all the technology solutions that are coming out recently i was checking the different edtech um, things we have in nigeria and I didn't see anything that was created for special needs. So there, there is this, I think like we need, we really need to rewire the way we think even about creating solutions. It shouldn't be one or the other. We should, when you're thinking about a solution, it should be holistic. And then you think about big corporations as we were discussing what came to my mind, like with the data thing you mentioned, Suzanne. Like you have people like MTN and um, all them global home and all that. Why can't they have it in their corporate social um, responsibility that for such communities, you give them 
free data for them to get educated specifically for education. So you can have the specific applications that are approved for that data. So if anyone maybe tries to use YouTube or something else that is not, then it's blocked. So I think like there are so many things that can be done when you think about it. Like you have, um, I remember that there was this, I think it was in Kenya also, where they had this solar, um, portable solar panel um, chargers that they use in charging phones. So even when you talk about, oh, we don't have electricity, there are things that people can do to encourage this environment in the sense of what you said of having hubs. Yeah, so these hubs can be powered by solar energy because, I mean, people need to see. Like, if, if you're studying in the back, it's not going to work. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, so uh, it's it's an interesting, like, and this just, it's, it's a nice segue into, like, thinking about it five to ten years from now, what it's going to look like. And it's something we have to start thinking about now. Because if before COVID, we had the highest number of children that were out of school, and now with COVID, that number definitely has increased. So we, we, it's, it's everybody, listeners at home, like you all have to sit down and start thinking about what you can do. Like there's no, Google was started in a garage. <laughs> the Google that we all love today was started in a garage. So there's so much, like with everything we're seeing around, all the problems we're highlighting and the different good that has come out of COVID, with parents getting um, involved, even parents, you parents, can you can be the next genius that comes up with a tech solution to the educational problem because you're trying to help yourself. Yeah, but then it becomes a help for the whole world. Starting with Nigeria. So, it's, it's a nice thing to think about. It, it might keep you up at night, um, but it's good to think about. My dear beloved co-host, Enes, I haven't heard you. I am waiting for you to tell me what you think. At least tell me something that you think about Nigeria five to ten years from now. Come on. It's going to be interesting when I was enjoying it. <laughs> but I think about my um, educational system five or ten years from now. Yeah. What do you see happening? Okay, what I've heard here is if you can have all these things going, I think they're headed in the right path. I think we can make progress and I think we can bring more students and more students to the educational field. Okay. Thank you. All right, quickly, because we are running out of time. So I have a fun question for you ladies. If you could be any unicorn, any, Zuckerberg, whichever, Teal, which one would you be? Uh, <laughs> and what? <laughs> Tell us what. <laughs> uh, I think I'd be Louis von Anne. So he's the founder of Duolingo, which is a language app. Yeah. Um, language learning app and he created that based on his experience growing up in Guatemala and knowing that language learning another language can really change your life obviously as a linguist I know this and so I recommend my students use it every day so it's something that I use in my teaching but I've also used um, as a human not just a teacher yeah. <laughs> I love that I have that app on my phone and my computer I'm using it to learn how to speak Spanish 
Muy bien, muy bien. Yes. <laughs> okay, Suzanne, what about you? If I could be any unicorn, I'd be VIP Club. Okay. Um, that was founded by Cindy Lee, Jesse Chen, and Victor Zhang. This was founded in 2013, and VIP Club caught my attention because basically what they do is they're marketing people who want to learn English to teachers, mm-hmm. and they're paying. So the teachers are being paid and paid well for teaching um, children across China how to speak proper English. And now they also created another um, one where children are learning Mandarin. So they're, they're also matching Mandarin teachers to people who want to learn, to children who want to learn Mandarin. So I think it's, um, it's a pretty exciting one because it opens up the frontiers of educational technology. And I mean, teachers across the world could have students somewhere else and they're getting paid very well for doing, for doing a good job. Um, I mean, for doing what they would normally do in a classroom. Yeah, I should check that one out. Right. Mandarin is another language on my list. There we go. <laughs> all right, so unfortunately, this is all the time we have for today. It was really lovely chatting with you ladies. Ernest, it's all yours. Tell us the wonderful book you have picked for us and why. Okay, um, hanging with us, ladies. The book we have for the week is um, Zero to One. Notes and Startups and or How to Build the Future by Peter Thiel, the co-founder of PayPal. Any of you ladies read the book? Sadly, no. Not yet, but we will soon. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's an interesting one. I strongly recommend it for you to read it. Um, Even our listeners, um, Peter Thiel explains how any determined you need um individual can create a new invention similar to how we create a paper. Mm. So it's important to be able to get your great ideas into reality and this book explores that. It's a great read for yeah, so that that's the most important thing. Yeah. yeah. Okay. okay. Thank you, Susan, and thank you, Susan, for joining us today. Thank and you for having us. Thank you for having us. Thank you for coming. Thank you for coming.